Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. Here we are um, in the book of Titus. As we've done through the month of July, it's just been a good reminder for us as a church family um, uh, as to who God has made us to be and who he has called us uh, to be represented uh, by the little symbols there that are on the screen. And we've been talking about how these five strands of our DNA uh, kind of make up who we are and shape who we're called to be. First of all, that we are transformed by the gospel, that the good news of Jesus, that he has come, he has died, he has risen, that he has rescued us. Uh, th- this is the good news. And the deeper we go into that, the more we are transformed by it. Some people think this is the gospel. I kind of accept it once and I move on from it. That is not the truth. That is not how the Bible talks about it. We go deeper into the reality of it and that is what changes us. Secondly, that we are saturated with the scripture. And I just want to say, man, we are committed to this word. We are committed to it personally. We are committed to it corporately. We teach it in various um, environments around here, Sunday school classes and Bible studies, and certainly here on Sunday morning. We want you to be in it and engaged in it and reading it and taking it in and letting it shape who you are. We want to be saturated um, with the scripture. I was listening to something yesterday, as a matter of fact, and uh, uh, this guy said this, and I thought, that's exactly right. Uh, he said, sometimes I get questions, um, uh, you know, well, the Bible doesn't answer all the questions. Like, that's the question they ask. What do I do with that? The Bible doesn't answer all the questions. And he goes, it's, it's true. The Bible does not tell us what two and two is. Like, we don't have an answer for that in here. It doesn't. But it answers the questions that we need to know. Like the most important questions, it has those answers. And it's not just those answers. It's the best answers. Thirdly, church is a family. We collectively are in this together. And so when we hurt, when one person hurts, we hurt. When one person rejoices, we rejoice. Uh, We are in this as a family. And we are related to one another through the blood of Jesus. Fourthly, neighbor is a verb. Not just uh, who is sitting next to us or who lives next to us or who works next to us in the office next door, but uh, it is who we choose to make a neighbor. How do we love them? And in our loving of them, they become a neighbor to us. That's, that's really the question. And lastly, ready to launch. And that's kind of where we are today, but specifically how God wants to use us in ministry and how he wants to use us uh, to impact the world. For you parents, um, you have uh, a certain number of days with, with uh, your kids. And the Bible talks about it as you drawing back a bow. And the whole point of you drawing, putting the arrow on the bow and drawing it back is to do what? With the arrow eventually. Launch it. And off it goes. Toward an enemy. Toward a world that needs them. Like We, we, that, we want to ready you for that. We, we want to do that. Um, for uh, the rest of us in the room, just thinking about how we approach Monday, how we approach ministry, how we approach marriage and parenting and all. We want to ready you in environments like this um, to launch into the places where God has you. That's what makes us who we are. And so God's called us to be, this is a statement we've been using here for a while. We are a family of missionaries, a family, a place to belong, missionaries. We have a purpose who live because this is a life. This is not merely a religious exercise and it's not a club that you join and go, oh, this is what I'm signing off on. This is a life. We are a family of missionaries who live to pursue God, to love well, and serve the world. And the question comes up, and I think it's a valid question, and I want you to hear me say that. Why in the world would we do any of this? I mean, why be a family of missionaries together? Like, 
You look down the row, you may not like the people who are sitting down the row from you. You look next to you. You may not like the person sitting next to you right now in this moment. Why, why would we be, call ourselves, and participate in life together as a family of missionaries? Why would we pursue God? Why, 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 I mean, all of these other people are pursuing other things. Why would we do that? Why would we choose to love well? There are plenty of people out there who don't love well and who certainly don't love us. So why would we choose to be self-sacrificial in the ways that we love those around us? And why? I mean, you look at the world right now. Why would we choose to serve this world as crazy as it is? Because is the world crazy? Not just a little either. Like, I mean, it has gone full-on crazy. And somewhere between politics and pandemics, man, we are fatigued in our mind and how we are dealing with all the crises that seem to be dominating headlines. And so because we're fatigued in our brains and our souls, we don't have the same filters that we used to have. Therefore, we start relating to one another in some really unhealthy and unhelpful ways. And the world's crazy. So why step into that and serve? Why? And the answer, I think, is in Titus chapter 3. You ready? Verse 4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. Now just stop right there. Because there's the answer. Why do, we, why, why do we call ourselves a family of missionaries and relate like this? Why, why do we pursue God and love well and serve the world? Here's the answer. Because God showed up. That's the answer. He appeared. The, the, the Greek word is epiphany. Like we had a moment where God stepped into our world and everybody else was pursuing one thing, but he, because he walked into our world, we, he has reoriented our lives and we are pursuing him now. Everybody else has loved those who love them or love those can, that can give them something. We're going to love well and indiscriminately and without um, a, a sense of, um, hey, I'm entitled to this instead. We're going to love well. We're going to serve the world. Why? Because God has served the world, and we want to be a part of what God is doing. We want to orient our lives around these things. Why? Because God showed up. When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he showed up. And for some of you, um, maybe you think, uh, you know, I'm just looking at my life right now, and the world is in my little world. Uh, Please, God, don't show up. (laughs) Because if you do, um, my checkbook is not in order. If, if God the accountant shows up, I'm in pretty bad shape. There is an audit coming. For some of you, you think it's not that. It's like, okay, uh, God, uh, if, if God the judge, the angry judge, shows up, I'm in pretty bad shape. He's going to come with a gavel in one hand and a lightning bolt in the other. And I'm toast. And if, if those are your concepts of God as they step, I mean, as you think about God showing up, I, I mean, the Bible speaks differently about him. I want to just note what that is here in just a second. But, but there may be another group in here, and maybe it represents you, or maybe it represents somebody you know. But they say, oh, well, I, I know he's not God the judge, and I know he's not God the accountant, but he, he's the God who just, I mean, he's just all love for me. And I'll just give you um, a, an example of this. I was driving up on 2351 uh, earlier this week, tracking along behind a red Kia. Had the little KSBJ bumper sticker, uh, God listens on the back. And so I was just rocking right, and we were just driving on along. Um, they pulled out to the freeway there. We're both headed south back towards League City. And uh, down goes the window because there's traffic coming. Down goes the window. Out comes a Red Bull can that he tosses over the car and into the grass. 
I won't say the license plate, but I'm telling you, there's a red Kia with a godless bumper sticker out there and you need to find that person. I could not catch up with them. And had I caught up with them, I would have reminded this young man that God doesn't just listen. He sees what's going on and he didn't like that at all. So some of us think, oh, okay, well, he got a really, oh, he didn't care. Oh, no, no. He see, some of us have in our minds, God's here to hear when I call out to him. But he also sees, and he's holding a standard. So what kind of God shows up that orients our lives around something like this, that would make us into a family of missionaries who lives to pursue God, love well, and serve the world? Look at how Paul describes him in verse 4. But when... The goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. He, in his goodness, shows up. He, in his loving kindness, shows up to save us, to rescue us. Just like happened at camp this week for a couple of folks, just like has happened in your life, I hope, just like for those of you watching online, I hope it's true for you. There's been a moment in time where God, the Savior, showed up, stepped into your world, and changed your life. He saved us. Now, now listen, what, what kind of saving did he do? But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, here we go, verse 5, he saved us. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. So let's just pause here. Not by works done in... So in other words, your life and my life, it never has and never would have and will not ever measure up to the standard that God laid out for us. Some of us think by our good works, we're going to balance the scale. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to uh, give money. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to change this. I'm going to change that. I'm going to try this. I'm going to do that. As if that's going to balance the scale. Well, it's not just a matter of you can't balance the scale. You can't tip it in your favor either. So he saved us not because you're a first rounder. Not because you're a lottery draft pick. Not because of any of that stuff. He saved us because of his mercy. And and for some of us, especially if you grew up in the South, mercy, it doesn't quite carry punch. I mean, I say it, oh, mercy. You know, something happened, you go, oh, mercy. So uh, so another way to translate the word that that Paul uses here in Titus 3 would be pity. Now, that, that carries some punch, so hear this. He saved us. Not because of works done by us in our own righteousness, but because he took pity on us. Now you think about that, you're like, uh, hey, hey, hey now, <laughs> pity? I'm a upwardly mobile, well-educated, reasonable, thoughtful person. Pity? That's exactly what God has on you and on me. And the reason why that's important is because you and I, we could not save ourselves. We could, God had to step in and rescue us. He saved us because of his, because of his mercy, not because of our work. And then secondly, he says, uh, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. By regeneration and renewal, okay? Regeneration, probably not a word you use this week, so let me just put that on record. But also to say, it's a good Bible word that means that there was death and now life is where death was. 
That, that, that is the message of Christianity that God brings life to you and to me. Regeneration. There is something that comes alive inside of us. You can picture yourself. I know we've got some medical personnel in the room. You can picture yourself there um, with a corpse and that person has no capacity whatsoever to help themselves because they're dead. They're not going to grab the paddles and go clear and they're not going to do that to themselves. There has to be a power from outside of themselves come into their life to bring life. And that's what God does. It's, uh, symbolized by, by baptism there, that's what he talks about, the washing of regeneration. That's a symbol where we see people go down into the water and come back up. I'm sure we'll see some students walk through that here in the next few weeks. Go down to the water, come back up. It's a symbol of God bringing death, uh, from, from death, bringing new life. This is what God has done in us. We had to have a power outside of us to bring life. But not just that. He says not just washing and regeneration, but renewal by the Holy Spirit. What kind of life? He's going to take your life and just give you uh, the, the life that you have and just, you know, like, here it is. No, no, no. He's giving you new life, renewal by the Holy Spirit. A, a new creation is how the Bible speaks of us. We're, we're, we're washed um, and by regeneration and renewed by the Holy Spirit. He's giving you new life. And all of this, every bit of it, it says, comes. Uh, look at verse 6. Whom he poured out, uh, renewal by the Holy Spirit, verse 6. Whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. It all, all of it, every bit of it comes through Jesus. There's no other way that we experience this. So when we say, like we sung just a moment ago, I put my faith, we're not just talking about some nebulous God. I put my faith in Jesus. Let's say his name. I put my faith in Jesus. That's the only way that this happens. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life, and no one, not a single person is rightly related to God, comes to God apart from him. It is all through Jesus and only through Jesus. Let's say his name. He saved us because of his mercy, by washing of regeneration, renewal by the Holy Spirit, uh, that he poured out through Jesus. Now, so we, we, it goes on to say um, in verse 7, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs. So it's not enough that he rescued us, but now he has also made us heirs according to the hope of eternal life. An heir is someone uh, that is sharing in what God is doing right now, but also in the future. So we have, I mean, he brought us, he rescued us, and then he gave us a seat at the table. We are in the family. And we are, we are participants with what God is doing now and with what God is doing in the future. That is an incredible, incredible thing. And then secondly, we hope, it says, we have hope according to the eternal life. Um, uh, we have hope um, in our relationship with God, that he is who he says he is. And the reason that's critical, I think, is because some of us are hold, in our lives are holding on by a thread. God, if you don't come through... If this doesn't turn, if you don't move, if something doesn't change, this thread's going down and I'm going down with it. And I've got good news. He is who he says he is. He is just. 
He is true. He is right. He's not mad about it, folks. He's just right. Okay? He is loving. He is merciful. And he does take pity. And on and on and on we could go. He is all of those things. He is who he says he is. And if you're holding on to a thread of your own dependence or your own effort or, hey, my own wisdom or my own smarts, that thread will break. It will go down. You will go down with it. If you're holding on to a thread that is God's faithfulness, If you're holding on to a thread that is God's faithfulness, it may not turn out like you thought it would. But it will not break. It just won't. We are heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And some people say, well, uh, you know, thanks for all that. But when we start talking about that kind of stuff, that's like a long way in the future. Listen, um, heaven is a glorious byproduct of our relationship with God right now. And so like, like the, it has impact today. And I just want to show that to you before we hustle on here. Um, I know it's in the Bible app, but if you have a, a, a Bible open in front of you, in Titus chapter 2. So back up to Titus chapter 2, look at verse 11. And listen, this, it's almost a parallel statement. It's like Paul is trying to communicate a point here, like he's trying to really get us. For the grace of God has appeared. Now remember, uh, the goodness and loving kindness of God appeared there uh, in, in chapter 3. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to, uh, to all people, all kinds of people. Verse 12. And then listen. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So the grace of God trains us to live right now. This is about something that is going on in your world and can go on in your world right now. That's... It has that kind of implication. It is a today moment. It is a, it is a today item. That's an important thing to, to remember, is that he made us heirs, he justified us, made us right before him, and he made us heirs. He put us at his table, and that impacts today, the way that we live um, today. Okay. When, when it says, when it says we, uh, well, let's, let's just continue on. Verse, verse uh, 8. This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things. Now, I love that. You don't like, I don't know if this rang true with me. I just read it. I thought it was kind of funny almost to read. Paul uh, is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to Titus, who's a local church pastor in this context. And he says, hey, if you want to talk about something in church, insist on these things. Insist on them. Insist on these things, and I want you to uh, insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. And then verse 9. And the reason I'm pausing here is because I don't know how to get at this except as directly as the apostle gets at it. So verse 9. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law. They are unprofitable and worthless. And if you write in your Bible, you may just write out to the side, basically every social media argument that has ever happened. Am I wrong? Avoid foolish controversies. Folks, I, let me, again, I, I don't know how to get at this except to be as direct as possible. There are things that the world argues about that they get pleasure in arguing about that we don't have to step into. And if we do, we run the risk of um, hurting witness or our own character or relationships or any number of other things. Avoid foolish controversies. Not everything that gets posted on the internet is true. Abraham Lincoln told me that. I tell my kids that all the time. They're like, Dad, that's so lame. 
It is a dad joke, and it worked. Thank you. All the dads in the room are celebrating with me. Yes, yes. Listen, not everything on the Internet is true. Not everything on the Internet requires our response. Okay? Avoid foolish controversies. Genealogies, decisions, quarrels about the law. Uh, Insist instead on these things. What things? That God has saved us and made us heirs by his incredible mercy. Okay? And the more we dive into that, the more we insist on that in our own lives and in the lives of those around us, the more that we encourage one another and that right there, the intensity by which we dive into that is the intensity by which good works then are ready to come out of us. It's priming the pump so to speak, okay? And so he says in verse 8, this saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote. If you're, again, if you write in your Bible, um, this would be concentrate on good works. Concentrate on them. You don't have to doom scroll. You can just concentrate on good works. Devote themselves to good works. These are excellent and profitable. So, um, when we talk about insisting um, on these things, I just give you a couple of things that I think the world wants to insist on that are lies. And I want to set us before, before we jump into this. Don't believe lies. Here's one. Um, I am entitled to an easy life. No, you are not. Um, I didn't go to camp. I got a shirt by accident because they gave Jarrett my size, which is a glorious little accident for me. So I'm wearing the shirt today to represent... The theme verse, Jared mentioned it a while ago, the theme verse of camp was John 16, 33. And we love the second half. Take heart, I've overcome the world. The first half, nobody puts on a coffee cup. In this world, you will have trouble. That's a promise that nobody's laying claim to. Oh, yes, Lord, I believe you for that. Nobody's laying claim to that one. That's not on anybody's refrigerator in the little squiggly. I mean, that's just not there. In this world, you will have trouble. Folks, we are not entitled to an easy life. In suburbia, it's particularly difficult, I think, because we want to um, have a comfortable life. It's one of the things that we value in this suburban context. I'm just telling you, the Bible's clear. We're not entitled to an easy life. Secondly, um, and this has probably developed more in my lifetime um, than maybe pre- I'm entitled to my offense. There are people who take up offense and make money off of this deal. Like, that's crazy. That's the world in which we live, though. Um, uh, Offense is the privilege of the righteous. Let's let's note that first. And and then secondly, um, I I can lay down some of my offense and not have to carry it all the time. And and in doing so, it actually is probably relationally healthy, and it is spiritually, relationally healthy for others and spiritually healthy for me. I am not entitled to my offense. Just because I feel offended doesn't mean I'm right. Now, um, and some people, just even using that phrase, well, these are my rights. I, like, okay, folks, we live, if you're a believer and a follower of Jesus, we live in a kingdom. And we surrendered our rights to a king. Let's let him define them, not our own or culture, okay? All right, so don't believe lies. Do instead, he says, be about good works. Concentrate on good works, um, which are excellent and profitable. That's what he says, excellent and profitable. Now, you'll notice that he compares this down in verse 9 to unprofitable and worthless quarrels 
like that crazy stuff. But, but here, excellent, be devoted to good works, excellent and profitable. Excellent, meaning they're attractive, they're beautiful, there is goodness, they release good in the world, and they are profitable. They do me good, and they do you good. When I do good works, they do me good, and they do you good. They shape my soul, and they can help and bless others. Good works are both attractive, and they are profitable. But Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount, let your light so shine before men that they may see what? Your good works. And give honor and glory to your Father, the one who is in the heavens. Okay, so, um, and if, if you wonder about profitable, like what does that mean? Well, just, just think of the alternative. Uh, be kind. That's one of the things he says earlier in chapter 3. Be kind. Well, what's the opposite of that? Being unkind. Which is going to be better? I mean, let's just think about the alternative. This is what we're talking about. Okay, so when we insist on these things, um, and we talk about serving this world, We're talking about serving the world with the good news of Jesus. Insist on these things, the good news that Jesus has mercy on people. And we serve the world with the gospel. And and I want to talk about two particular contexts just very briefly. First of all, we as a church family, we want to encourage you to serve in the present. And just in our church family, here's a couple of ways that we're doing it. We have already sent a mission team to GUM and we... Um, have plans to send another one here in August. Gum is Galveston Urban Ministries. They work with um, uh, some of the folks uh, in the uh, um, poor part of Galveston, and they do great, great work down there. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't, <clears throat> if you haven't been, uh, if you're not aware, man, get aware, and then uh, hopefully go sometime. Gum. Uh, there's a, uh, they kicked off about uh, 15, 20 minutes ago. There's a Spanish church meeting um, down in our chapel uh, right now that we um, support and we encourage and we pray for. I saw Pastor Ray uh, not too long ago at a meeting. We just had a great, uh, so that. Um, uh, serving in the present. We also um, uh, have partnered very recently. It actually happened during uh, pandemic stuff um, with a group called The Sanctuary. They are a foster care and adoption agency right over there uh, by the big hospital um, there in, uh, in Webster. I think it's HCA now. Somebody help me. Clear Lake Region. It used to be Clear Lake Region. Now it's HCA. Um, uh, so we, we've partnered with them. And um, even the, um, Alyssa, one of the folks who's been uh, liaising with them, uh, said, hey, you know, they need uh, sheets and uh, like, like bedding stuff, like sheets and stuff, four beds, four kids. And so if you're interested, contact our office. We'll make sure you get all the information. There are simple ways that we can support. They are ministry-minded, the sanctuary. They're ministry-minded. They're doing really, really, really good work, and I'm excited about the partnership and where it might um, develop. Um, also, uh, the, the church plant we launched um, earlier this year, uh, Easter Sunday was their first Sunday. They've hit a couple of bumps along the way. Uh, we can talk more about that at some point. But, uh, man, they've hit a couple of bumps along the way. But, uh, listen, they, they are seeing people come to know Jesus. They are seeing people um, re-engage in church. They are seeing neighbors reach. Like, this is the light pushing back the darkness. And the darkness, Jesus says, is not going to overcome it. It may throw a fit or two, but it's not going to overcome it in the end. So like, that's serving in this present moment. And then I want to um, talk for just a second about serving in the future. Uh, <clears throat> because there are um, kids uh, in kids' ministry and in preschool ministry and in student ministry who need your investment. And so I want you to like, think about, pray about what it would look like for you to step in and make some investments in a generation that is below you, that is younger than you, and, and serve in the future um, in that way. 
There, there are folks who need, it's not as if, I'm going to speak specifically to our, uh, about our teenagers, it's not as if our teenagers don't need godly adult influences in their lives. Oh, well, we've got enough. No, 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 no. Think about your life as a teenager. Okay, enough said. Um, with kids ministry, preschool ministry, like there, there are places where you can step in and we want to encourage you to. Um, there are potential partnerships um, down the road uh, that, you know, in Greece, working with refugees in other places, there are, um, we're trying to start a couple of new uh, small groups for adults. And so we want people to uh, be ready to step in and help lead or help host or just be a part of that. So all that, just contact our office. We would love uh, to help you think about what it means to serve the world with the gospel. Now listen, our good works, our good works flow they, 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 they flow out of Jesus' good work for us. Like, if he hadn't done that, then it, all of this other stuff wouldn't have mattered. Our good works are dependent upon, and they, they flow out of his good work on the cross for you and for me. There, there's a reason why. There's an important reason why. Paul starts with the good news. He, when, the loving, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. He rescued us. And then we get to be a part of what he's doing in the world. So here's how I want to close. If you're not a Christian in here, I just want to say God offers his pity, his mercy to you. And you can put your trust in Jesus today and he will save you. If you are a follower of Jesus and part of our church family, I want to invite you to just think for a moment. But I'm going to pray and give us a moment to reflect. But just think for a moment. Like, What does it look like for me to serve my world, whatever world you live in, my world, with the good news of Jesus. What does that look like for me? Let me pray. We'll give you a moment to reflect, and then we'll uh, have a song of commitment and some announcements and dismiss. You ask the question, Jesus, where, where, where is it for me that I can serve the world with the gospel? Where is it? How can I be a part? Maybe it's within an organization. Maybe it's you just thinking about your neighbor, your literal neighbor, your next door neighbor. Holy Spirit, I know that you're speaking and I want you to, I'm begging even that you would continue to do so. You would ready people for the assignment that you have for them. God, in moments like this and in, in, in like broader context like this, this is not the moment where the church needs to shrink back. It's where we need to step forward. There's a world that needs hope. A, wor- a world that needs a sense of purpose a world that needs a message of mercy. And so I pray, God, that you would help us to step forward into that. I do pray, Father, too, that you would watch over all of us. Help us to be um, encouragers of one another, blessers of one another. We, We would love well. We would be thoughtful. And we would serve one another as this, as we 
as we live out these days, as crazy as they are. If there's anybody here, Father, anybody watching online who doesn't have a relationship with you, I pray that the day, today would be the day that you draw them to yourself. I ask that in Christ's name. Amen and amen.